It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about memorials and remembrance. And from the Old Testament in the book of Joshua throughout the New Testament, when the apostles reiterated what Jesus had done through them, the Bible places a premium on remembering the history that you've been through and what the Lord has done. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper and a very special guest in studio with us for a few moments, Steve Jordahl. But I bring up the idea of memorials and remembering because, as everyone knows, I'm sure, tomorrow is the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Today is September 10. And uh, guys, um, I you know, I think about our nation uh, when 9-11 happened, I think about the two decades that have intervened since then. I remember September 12th, 2001, when people of all political persuasions were united because we were praying for America, we were proud to be Americans, and, you know, we need that again. We need to turn to the Lord, and we need to unite with each other. And so with those remarks, I open the program, and I know we've got not only 9-11 and Fireway Friday, we've got some news about Afghanistan from our journalist friend Steve Jordahl. But let's begin the show, and I'll one last thing, and I'll throw to you, Bert. Our number, if you'd like to join into the conversation, it's 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Your Bible questions and maybe some other insights from our listeners as well. But, Bert, a uh, lot to think about, isn't it? It is, and we do remember this, and most of us remember uh, where we were uh, on that fateful day, 9-11, and uh, I was on my way in to the church office where I pastored, and I had the radio on, on AFR, and yeah, uh, they came sure. on saying this had happened, didn't know what kind of plane it was and everything else. By the time I got to the office, um, things had turned around. The thing I remember most about that day was going to eat at lunch. It's Tuesday. We always went out on Tuesday with the staff. And we were in a restaurant, and it was as quiet as it could be. No one speaking, no one talking. And then the Sunday after that, we were worshiping. And the church Mm -hmm. building that I was in, I was visiting another church. It was filled with people. And so, yes, yes, Lord, we need you. People knew that, and uh, they still uh, we still need him. Some people don't know it. But today, we've asked Steve to come in, and we are remembering 9-11, but we're also remembering our brothers and sisters in Christ that are around the world. We know they're hurting in the Sudan. They're in Nigeria and North Korea. But those that are in Afghanistan, they've been on our hearts. And uh, Alex is about two weeks ago when Steve was with us and was asking him to do the research, how many Christians were in Afghanistan, and he did that. And Today, we've asked him to come back and give us an update, and uh, if you've been listening to the news at the top of the hour, you may have gotten some of this information, and we appreciate. I told Steve, I said, but I want our exploring the word prayer warriors to make sure they hear that. So, Steve, we thank you for coming in, brother. Thank you for, for having me, both you, uh, both of you guys, and your prayer warriors are going to have something to, something to pray for. Um, 
Folks, what would you say, how would you imagine that the nation's leading conservative constitutional scholar and historian would find himself in a war zone? Well, our friend Larry Bart, not Larry Barton, our friend David Barton yes. was over in Afghanistan, has been, and they're trying to get out some 7,000 Christians. They've identified 7,000 people at risk. But you know what? They can't get them out of the airplanes. The reason they can't fly the airplanes out of Afghanistan, primarily, it's our own U.S. State Department that's standing in the way. Oh, wow. Mm. Alex, I had heard a little bit of that, and uh, they work in, again, with, uh, you know, a project, and, and it is, you know, they've got the resources. Yep. People yeah. shared the resources to go in there to get them out, and now our our red tape and I, I would say denial of what could happen is happened here on our side not necessarily yes. on their side is that right steve uh, yeah it it's always as is often the case when you are in breaking news and, and especially when you're in a war zone things ebb and flow and uh it was it's being so frustrated i talked to david uh, about an hour ago just to make sure i had the latest information and uh he he said that they they were ready to go in fact the State Department said that they didn't, couldn't land on American bases because uh, they couldn't uh, trust the security of everybody that was there. In fact, they found a leaked email, Fox got a hold of it, that said you can't come to any DOD base anywhere in the world. You can't leave. Uh, well, the Taliban then decided that they were going to tax flights going out. They wanted millions of dollars for every plane that left because the Taliban needs money. Well, um, so... Several foreign countries stepped up and said they would accept the planes. Um, the Taliban lifted its tax. They negotiated with them. They were ready to go. They were minutes from takeoff when the Taliban closed the airport and decided not to let them to leave. Further, the several countries that they had negotiated with, all they needed was a, an okay from the State Department. And since it, the people on the planes weren't going to a United States base or the United States, they, they were had agreed yeah. to give the permission to land in those other countries. Well, the uh, the permission never came. The State Department never gave those uh, planes the uh, ability to land anywhere in the world. So right now, as we as we stand, there are five planes loaded up, ready to go at an Afghanistan um, airport in Afghanistan, northern Afghanistan. Eight more planes that are on deck, ready to be loaded up and, and sent on their way. And uh, they can't. The, the Nazarene Fund is the group that uh, David Barton is going over with. He's on their board. It's a, it's a, a persecuted Christian type of, yeah. of outfit. Yeah. They've identified 7,000 people at risk that need to get out of the country. They've only gotten 2,800 of them out, and they don't know when the rest are going to go out. Alex and, and Steve, the, the biggest obstacle is not the Taliban, but the U.S. State Department under this administration. The right? U.S. State Department is 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 adamant that they won't let them go, and no one can figure out why. Uh, Alex said that they uh, he said David said that they had lawmakers because they're connected. They had several lawmakers calling the State Department. Twenty lawmakers called. They get twenty different answers of, of why. It's and and they were la the State Department was laughing at at the at the the planes that these groups that wanted to get out literally they said he said they left when he called uh and said that he needed to get out 
Well, you got to go get. Uh, you got to go to the embassy to get out. Well, there's no embassy in in Kabul. <laughs> Let me see. Yeah, I think right. they uh, decided they would pull the uh, officers' army right. back to protect the embassy, and and leave the other, uh, you know, oh, the, well. the air base. Okay, let's not. It's confusing. It is horrible. Well, well, it just, guys, it shows. And folks, number one, we need to pray for the welfare of these fellow citizens, Christians, uh, special immigrant visa holders that are trying. I mean, their, their lives are in danger. But here's the thing. Of course, we need to pray. But you need to, when it comes time to vote, and the people you can influence, you've got to understand whether it's Americans in Afghanistan, the borders of our nation, uh, medical care, constitutional rights, the economy, just dozens of things we could name. This administration is failing in its secondary duty the fundamental duty is to uphold the constitution but then secondarily uh, advocate for the rights and the welfare of american citizens and clearly every day they're not doing that we've got to remember that when election time comes around i've got a prayer request from david for your audience who i know is a praying kind um, and then I've got an amazing fact that I want to give you. Can, can I get the prayer okay. request first? You got it. David has asked for prayer. Obviously, he's asked for prayer for the the airplanes to leave, for those that are trapped at the airport, that God would show favor on the on them getting out of the country. But he also said, would you please pray for those Christians and, other, and non-Christians, the people that they have gotten out of Afghanistan and dropped in a foreign country? These people with literally a, a one bag on their, on, to their name, are in a foreign country. They have never spoken the language. They have no connections there. He says, please pray for those people. Mm. But you know what amazed me the most? I'm going to quote David directly. David said, when he talked about how many Christians are left in Afghanistan, he said, we have been told that 30% of Christians in Afghanistan refuse to leave because they want to keep the gospel of Christ in Afghanistan. Hallelujah. Amen. That, wow. that blows your mind. Alex, when I hear that, and uh, it lets me know, you know, Paul said it. He said it well. Philippians 1.20, whether by life or by death, Christ would be glorified. And I am telling you, mm. those Christians in Afghanistan, with all my heart, I believe they're glorifying Lord, uh, the Lord Jesus. I've heard, that, uh, you know, that a whole houseful were just massacred when al-Qaeda came in and saw them worshiping, and they just— A Bible study. A they Bible were having study. a Bible study, and they, Gunned they them down. Killed, killed them all on the spot. Right there. So that is what is happening. We wanted to update you. I know some of you heard some of this information, but we're going to make it a matter of prayer. 30% of the 7,000 Christians that are left want to stay there as a witness. The others need to come out. Five planes are ready. Eight planes are, are there available, and we're praying that they would release and be relieved and let me, come out. Go let ahead. Me correct your numbers for just a second. There were 7,000 people that they identified as needed to get out. They're not all Christians. I got you. Okay, these thank are, you. Uh, and uh, there's they've already gotten 2,800 of them out. So um, in, not uh, just Americans and special visa holders, people that need to get out, they're down to about, what, 5,200? Or 4,200 uh, that um, that need to get out, and okay. probably 30 percent of the Christians. How many Christians are in Afghanistan? It's thousands, and yeah. thousands. Yeah. So, yeah. well, Alex, wow. uh, I I appreciate Steve. Stay with us till we pray. Sure, yeah. We want you. You're not voicing it, but Alex is. But 
and Devin's praying, Pat's on the board, she's praying, and everybody across America. Uh, you know, just let's bombard heaven right now. Go ahead, Alex. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and the privilege of prayer. And Lord, as Steve gives uh, these reports and these updates, Father God, we pray for our world, for peace in, in our world. Lord, we, we know and love David Barton. What a friend and a colleague he's been for so many years. Protect him and his staff. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would move on our State Department. And Lord, uh, there, there's no government in Afghanistan. There's no embassy to go to. The Taliban is taking over. And so, Lord, we just pray for the welfare of Christians, American citizens, people that uh, just are honestly trying to get out. Lord, only you can solve the, the confusion, the instability, the debacle. But, Lord, as you've done throughout history, we pray for your mercy and, Lord, your intervention on behalf of people. And, Lord, we know that uh, the, the confusion, the instability uh, in America right now is due to the fact that we've turned away from you. And the Bible tells us that the wicked will be turned to hell and all the nations that forget God. May we remember you. May we turn to you. May the Spirit of God send a revival. And for all these situations that are so far beyond our control, Jesus, we ask for your help. And we ask it in your name and for your glory. Amen. 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 Thank you, Alex. Steve, I appreciate you coming. And uh, yes. I appreciate you covering this because uh, it's not being covered, especially the Christians in other news. Thank so I you. Um, I'll continue to keep up to date on it. And anytime you guys want to know, just ask. Well, when you find something we need to know, All we're right. going to be praying about it. Thank you, guys. We're going to be back with more questions. Those phone lines are open right now. 888-589-8840. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Shavonda Jacobs-Young, administrator at the USDA. Her office works to solve agricultural problems concerning areas such as nutrition, food safety, and sustainability. Genesis 9-3 reminds us that the food we eat is given by the Lord. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Shabanda Jacobs-Young in her role at the USDA. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. It's popular these days to worship do-it-yourself deities, gods that think and act the way we think they should. But Dr. Tony Evans says designer religions are deadly. He explains why as we spend two minutes with Tony. The next to the last book of the New Testament is the book of Jude, around verse 11, talks about the way of Cain, false religion, coming to God like you please, not like he requires. God has prescribed that there is no other way to salvation other than through Jesus Christ, because no man is saved by their works. They're only saved by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You come to God through Christ, not through being a better, nicer person. So if you go the way of Cain, you're going to wind up wandering forever. 
That is the biblical definition of hell, to live forever in an unfulfilled reality without God. The only way God will accept you coming to him is by what he reveals, not what you think, not how you were raised, not what your mama said, not what your daddy said, not what your friend said, not what the media says, unless what they said is what he says, you ought to make your decisions by revelation, not by what you can conjure up or I can conjure up in my puny finite mind. But because God has integrity, I move on what he says, not on what I feel, not on what I think, not on what I heard, not on what my reason tells me unless it is consistent with what he's revealed. Are you giving God the time, the talent, and yes, the treasure that he's asked for, and are you giving it to him first? If you're ready to come to God through Christ, the way Dr. Evans described, you can find out more about what that means by visiting us at TonyEvans.org and clicking on the word Jesus at the top of the page. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Amen. The battle belongs to the Lord. And the Lord woke me up early, early this morning. And uh, that was what was on my mind. The battle belongs to the Lord. And I hope you know that. Let me share this with you. And we're going to go back to Alex and then go to the phone lines. I want Alex to tell everybody where he is. But let me share this verse from Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. And again, it's a verse that we claimed when we started doing this with the COVID and I was reminded of it again with 9-11 and what's going on in the world. It says, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, O Lord, I've heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. And uh, some of us feel like the judgment has come, but in that wrath and judgment, I pray God remembers mercy. And I pray you would make that a matter of prayer. Alex, welcome to Mississippi, brother. Hey, well, I am really glad to be here. I want to tell everybody, normally you hear me from North Carolina, except when I'm on the road. But right now, I am in a very beautiful part of the country called Columbia, Mississippi. Uh, I'm... Now, Bert, if I get my Mississippi geography wrong, you've got to correct me. I think that I'm south of Jackson. I'm kind of near Hattiesburg, probably, probably kind of near Baton Rouge, where you and I have been. But I'm in Columbia for a very, very special weekend. Well, you are right on the geography. Now, what's going to happen in Columbia, though, with you being there? Well, listen, we've got a lot of great people down here. There's a pastor named uh, Pastor Millard Moak. Uh, he's at Calvary Baptist in Columbia, and he and I just moments ago were at the uh, Expo Center. Now, there's a big building out here in Columbia, and I want to tell you, if you're within driving distance, 7 p.m. tonight, we're going to have a service. Uh, I'll be preaching the gospel. I'm also going to talk about biblical worldview. What is a biblical worldview, and why is this really important? So tonight at 7 at the Expo Center in Columbia, I'll be preaching the gospel. Then tonight, after a football game, I'll be speaking to the youth. And then tomorrow morning, 
Uh, we're going to be doing sessions on how to defend your Christian faith. What does the Bible say about what's going on? All this thing about wokeness and just the state of our culture. How can we prepare for revival? Again, tomorrow night I'll be at the Expo Center here in Columbia. I, I will be at Calvary Baptist Church Sunday morning. Uh, and then Sunday night, again, we'll be having services. So, folks, if you're anywhere in this region of, of South Mississippi, uh, again, Columbia, uh, come tonight. We, we, we've got to seek the Lord for our nation. And uh, if you want to come, it, it would be a great event to bring an unsaved person to. So I want to thank Pastor Moak and the Tri-County Baptist Association, uh, AFR List. It's just everybody who's worked hard to put this great weekend together. And uh, just wherever you are in America, pray for us that the Spirit of God would move. Amen. Lord, move in that meeting tonight. We're praying yeah. God show up and show out, as someone has said, in a strong, strong way. Amen. Amen. L let me just say this too, folks. And I know it's, it's a month away, but truth for a new generation. It's for all ages. This is a biblical response to critical race theory, all this socialism, wokeness. We're going to be a month from now, October 15 through 17, myself, Sandy Rios, E.W. Jackson, Frank Turek, more than a dozen speakers will be at First Baptist of Myrtle Beach. And also among the parts of that event, and you can go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com, and register. Look, this is the event to bring your youth group to, to bring your leadership to, to sponsor, maybe, and you and a friend come to Myrtle Beach, October 15 through 17. But, Bert, um, the battle we're in really is a battle of worldview. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Part of the reason that a lot of people nowadays, they don't believe in morality, they don't believe in marriage or gender, they don't believe in, in rules and the rule of law, they don't believe in conviction of sin and turning to Christ and being saved. Part of the reason that a lot of people and then our nation at large is just imploding is because we've we've lost our relationship with the true and living God. I mean, Amen. it's beliefs. Either, either God. I'll give us the date yeah. again and how people can be a part of that. October 15 through 17, come to South Carolina, Truth for a New Generation. Together, we will seek the Lord and we must do what we can do to try to save our nation. So please be in prayer. Come if you can. All the info is on my own website, which is alexmcfarland.com. And I'll say this, and we'll go to calls. I couldn't do what I do without AFR. And I thank Tim Wildman, the great army that is the American Family Radio Network, and you, Bird, and everybody. I thank God that we're able to take the gospel all over this nation in partnership with the American Family Radio Network. Pray for Alex as he is speaking and sharing. I do, not like he does, uh, or as all the places, but AFR, we want to be faithful. So thank you, Alex, and we're going to be praying for that and for tonight and this weekend as well. Well, our lines are open, and we're going to Arkansas first and talk to Jessica. Jessica, thank you for waiting, but you have a question for us? Yes, um, I've been doing some biblical study of the Hebrew, and especially places in the Bible where it's talking about my salvation in the Old Testament and New Testament, because, you know, Jesus' Hebrew name was translated into salvation. And I've been um, 
calling him Yeshua at times just to feel closer to him because I thought maybe his mother and his followers, when they spoke of him, they would be saying Yeshua, you know, back in their time. And so to feel closer to him, I was doing that. But I've had people to tell me I need to repent of, of that line of study and that I need to repent of um, calling him that because they say that that's, there's no power in, in that name either. They're just saying that the only power is in the name of Jesus. And, um, you know, if you call him by another name, even if you're just trying to mean well, that, you know, you're leading other people astray or you're leading yourself astray. Okay, Jessica, I think we got most of it. It wasn't as clear, but listen, if you were speaking a different language, Swedish, you know, uh, it is the name. It is the name above every name, Yeshua, Jesus. He is Jesus. Alex, it is his name, and we glorify him. And, you know, I, I don't know if it makes people feel closer or not. I Listen, when I call him Jesus or Yeshua, uh, praise God, it's Jesus, my Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, I was thinking about when I've uh, preached in Mexico or Peru or I go to Latin America, oftentimes they call me Alejandro because that's Alexander in in Spanish. And they'll say, uh, Brother Alejandro. Now, here's the thing. Uh, in Hebrew... Yes, Yeshua, which is really a Hebrew way of saying Joshua, which means Jehovah saves. The Greek is Iesus. And really, when we say Jesus, uh, which is really the the masculine form of the Greek word Jesus or Iesus, Jesus is really a Latin pronunciation of the Greek word for Jesus, for Yeshua. But whether you say Yeshua or whether you say Christos, the anointed one, Jesus, which is a Latin pronunciation, we're talking about the one and only Son of God who died for our sins. And, uh, you know, whether the Hispanic folk call me Alex or Alejandro, it's the same thing. And it's the same way with Jesus or Yeshua, isn't it, Bert? It is, and and it's who he is. It is who he is. You know, when you know somebody's name, that gives you some, I'm going to use the word authority, and I I use it reluctantly, but, you know, if if there was five people walking, Alex, and you were one of them, and I said Alex, and the other names were some other name, you're the one that would turn around. So we call Mm -hmm. upon his name, and Mm -hmm. that's what we do because he has established this relationship, and so... Jessica, keep growing in the Lord and and just serve him and share others uh, about him. Thank you so much. Let's go to Louisiana and talk to Jim. Jim, welcome. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I really love your program, and I feel like y'all y'all blessed to be blessed. Bless you, brother. And, uh, and Brother Bert, uh, may God put his healing hand on you concerning your eye. Okay, brother. Well, I appreciate that. I, I do. It's it's coming. It's just a. Hey, I hate to call about it, but it's a little age thing as you get older. But God's God is good. But thank you, Jim. He is good. I called y'all a few years ago about a question that came up at our men's Bible study breakfast, which we still have. And uh, at that time, I told y'all I had ALS, and y'all prayed for me, and thank you for that. I remember and that I, now, Jim. I do. I have. I have many people praying for me, and I 
can't explain it, but sometimes I can feel it. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen. Alex and I, oh, we're, we're in the pulpit, and people are praying for us. Alex, you can tell the difference, can't you? I mean. Oh, absolutely. 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 So, Jim, you're right on. But go yeah. ahead with yeah, your question. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, also, I want to let you know that I've already lived several years past the life expectancy of ALS, and I can still walk with just the cane. God is good. Amen. Praise God. We praise God, Jim. Thank you for that testimony. Alex, I, I think I was listening to someone who's a friend of yours the other day, Ivy okay. Scarborough. Oh, my goodness. I love Ivy Scarborough up near Jackson, Tennessee, one of the yeah. great authors of our time and just an amazing colleague in apologetics and worldview. And uh, he is wonderful. His book... Uh, I would encourage everybody to get. In fact, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if it's still on the uh, AFR website. But yes, go ahead. So you heard Ivy on uh, on, yeah. Yeah, and I was impressed with his foreign policy acumen. Well, you'd be impressed with everything about that brother. I mean, he knows yeah. seriously. And Ivy, if you're listening, I just um, his intellect is exceeded only by his heart. But he wrote a book called Into the Night. The crisis of Western civilization, and look, I don't, I don't say this lightly, but I've spent the last thirty years buying books on biblical worldview, culture. It was my joy to serve under James Dobson, and we routinely spent time with people like Chuck Colson and uh, Ivy Scarborough is absolutely in that same league of people that they know history, law the Bible, culture, and his book, I, I cannot overstate what a what a an amazing achievement his book is, Into the Night. And if you can get that book, I think it's on the AFA store website. But um if you're if you're listening to Ivy Scarborough, you're you're <laughs> listening to a good thinker. Amen. He certainly sounds like it. Um, yes. my question is about Melchizedek. Is that how you say it? It's close. We've heard it pronounced okay. several ways, but that's good, Jim. Okay. Okay, I'll find it in Genesis 14. And after a battle victory by Abram, Melchizedek blessed Abram, and then Abram gave him a tithe. And I'll find him again in Hebrews 7, where it says that there's no record of his father or mother or ancestors and no beginning or end to his life. It says that he resembles the Son of God, and that Jesus is like Melchizedek. Do you, who is he? Who do you think he is? And could he possibly be an early incarnation of Jesus? Okay, Jim. Great question. Let me just share with you uh, the importance of Hebrews. There is the priesthood of Jesus Christ. He was not from the tribe of Levi, which the uh, priest would come from. He was from the tribe of Judah, the Lion of Judah. And yet he's our priest. And the writer of Hebrews went and said, he went back to the book of Genesis and brought out Melchizedek and said, that's who the priesthood of Jesus is like, order of Melchizedek. Now, Alex, we've had discussion on this before. Uh, yeah. I, I want to tell you, I don't know. Uh, it's one or the other. It's, it's uh, yeah. either someone that was likened to him or it was a pre-incarnate time for christ do you have an opinion well brother thank you for being an astute uh scholar of the word if i recollect correctly this is 
something about like the 54th question in our book. Bert and I have a book coming out, and we've not really said much about it because you're going to be a, you're going to have an opportunity to get our brand new book. Now, after Sherathon, we'll even talk more about it. But Bert and I did a book that is just being released. It's on the top 100 questions from the first 10 years of exploring the word. And um, you'll hear a lot about this during Sherathon, October 12 through 14. So please pray about that. But one of the questions in the book deals with the identity and the what we do know about Melchizedek back in Genesis 14, uh, 18 through 20. And, um, you know, in Psalm 110, David talks about when the Messiah reigns, he would be a priest forever according to or like the order of Melchizedek. And so um, the caller is correct that Hebrews mentions him. Uh, there's different schools of thought. In, in our book, we give a somewhat abbreviated treatment of this. If you really want, in my opinion, the best, I mean, thorough, thorough look at Melchizedek, a book by James Borland called Christ in the Old Testament. Uh, B-O-R-L-A-N-D. Uh, Dr. Borland was a professor at Liberty, might still be, but he wrote a book called Christ in the Old Testament that um, I think is very solid, and it goes in deep, deep depth. Um, so, Bert, I'm going to say this. Was Melchizedek an Old Testament appearance of Jesus? Maybe. <laughs> I, 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 and listen, yeah. <laughs> I love those answers because Alex, there is no definiteness about that. And that's yeah. what we try to do in the book on Exploring the Word, give you as much as we can of knowing. I know about my salvation. I know who Jesus Christ is. But Melchizedek, there's some mystery there. But yeah. praise God for the mystery. It lets us worship him even more. Hey, we'll be back with more of your questions right after this break. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training. Here's another of our core values. We believe that our ministry, as well as everything in the heavens and on earth, belongs to God, and our role is that of a trusted manager. Thank you for standing with AFA as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. Hello, my name is Todd Friel. I am the host of Wretched Radio, heard right here on American Family Radio from 10 p.m. till midnight Central Standard Time. Not to brag, but Wretched Radio from 10 p.m. till midnight is the single best Christian radio program on American Family Radio at that time period. That's right. We hope that you'll join us Saturday night. See for yourself from 10 p.m. till midnight for Wretched Radio on American Family Radio. And who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Esther, a young girl, became queen of the Persian Empire when Israel was subject to Persian rule. A wicked man named Haman tried to get the king to exterminate all Jews. Esther, a Jew herself, was queen when this genocidal conspiracy was brought to bear. But her cousin Mordecai put her royal position in perspective. Perhaps God made you queen for this very moment to intervene on behalf of the Jewish people. Like Esther, perhaps God gave you the platform, position, 
and influence you have for this very moment to stand against darkness. Perhaps you were born for such a time as this. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with a minute in God's Word to help you keep moving forward. The Bible says in Isaiah 26, verse 3, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. The world is turbulent, and peace can be hard to find. Yet God promises perfect peace when you trust in Him. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. The phrase translated perfect peace is actually shalom, shalom. When troubles multiply, so does God's peace. Worries about the future are like a bundle of sticks too heavy for you to lift. God doesn't ask you to carry the whole load at once. He'll untie the bundle, He'll give you one small stick for today, and then He'll help you carry it. Don't be weighted down by your cares. Trust in the Lord. He'll give you perfect peace. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on this Fireway Friday, your questions, and uh, you know maybe even a thought about 9-11. It's been 20 years ago, but uh, the number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Bert and I would just be honored to hear from you on Exploring the Word. We are, and we're going straight to the lines, get as many calls as we can in this final segment. We go to Virginia and talk to David. David, welcome. Hello, brothers. How y'all doing? Doing real good today. Real good. Listen, um, what is the purpose? I'm sorry I'm so illiterate, but what is the purpose of the millennial reign? I mean, we, I, had, I joke sometimes with some of my brothers at church. They say, you know, this is all in fun. But, you know, cut to the chase. But we go, let's, what's the purpose of the thousand years? Okay. What was God doing in the Garden of Eden? Uh, Let's connect the dots, David. In the Garden, man had it made. Adam and Eve just didn't know how good they had it. It says they ate of the tree of the good, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They already knew what good was. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and what's going to happen in a thousand years? Not completely, but we're going to see this peace on earth. That God had, so it does have a purpose, David. Go ahead, uh, Alex. You know, Bert, there, there's a painting. Uh, many people think it's the Garden of Eden, but it's really the millennium where Christ uh, rules and reigns from Jerusalem for a thousand years. There's peace on earth. But this painting, I can see it in my mind right now. It's called the Peaceable Kingdom, and in a way, uh, one of the purposes of the millennium. And this is before eternity proper is ushered in. At the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ, uh, heaven, the new heavens, the new Jerusalem comes down like a bride adorned for her husband. And Ephesians says that into the ages we will experience the goodness and grace of God into the eons. But I think part of the, the purpose of the millennium 
is to show that um, heaven on earth before the fall, what would it have been like had Adam and Eve really uh, lived with and under the lordship of Christ and not rebelled? It's really, as I understand it, Eden restored uh, for the majority of that thousand years, isn't it? It is, and that is the purpose. So, David, that's your connection. And uh, on earth, uh, yeah, God could have chosen to start all over, but he chose to do this thousand-year interval before he did start into that eternity of the new heaven and the new earth. Uh, It's kind of like being saved. We are a new creature, but guess what? I still am that old body. I still have some. I'm dual-natured. And uh, But God is doing that work. He's going to do that great work in the thousand-year reign. And make sure you trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Make sure he's the Lord of your life so you will be a part of it. If you're listening today and you've never trusted Christ, I pray that you would. There's some, our partners, Triple Eight, need him, and they'll talk with you. If you're not sure about your salvation, don't go away wondering. Make sure. Call those people. Triple Eight, need him. Let's go to Jerry in Mississippi. Welcome, Jerry. Thank you, sir. How are y'all today? Doing well. Great. Got kind of a off the wall question for you, though. Um, I have been back into my Bible, back into my studies for about the last nine months. I've been away for years. I never turned my back away, but just not into church. And uh, I want to thank AFR because I'm about a 16 hour day listener. I'm on a, a moral Amen. day. Amen, so. Jerry. Oh, Bless I, hope, you, my friend. I hope we had a part in helping you be restored. It sounds like that's part you of did. Amen. You did. Very much so. Very Amen. Much so, and I appreciate you all so much. Um, my question for you today, and before I get to it, I do want to tell you, I, I did take y'all's advice and order Dr. Jeremiah's Bible. And the uh, funny story is I had it sent to my P.O. box, and y'all have heard about porch pirates. Yeah. Now there's post office box pirates. Oh, they no. are breaking windows out in your P.O. box to get the key out to uh, go to a drop box and steal what's in your drop box. Well, they stole I my I am Bible, so sorry. And I would have loved to have seen the expression on the gentleman's face <laughs> when he opened up and saw the Word of God. <laughs> wow. There for wow. That's like so, stealing a, a Bible that was placed in a motel by the Gideons. Uh, they fulfilled <laughs> their purpose, you know? Amen. Yes, Jerry, they thank did. you for that. Yeah. Very much so. My question for you is, um, I don't have a church home at the moment. You guys are pretty much my church home, and that's because I'm, I'm a seasonal worker, and this is a very busy time of the year. Who do I pay my tithes to? How do I pay my tithes at this time? Okay. Keep in mind, I've not been in the church for years. Well, brother, I appreciate Hey, Alex, uh, I, you know, me just observing a man that wants to send his tithe in after being away from God and now being restored, I think— it's real. You know, that's the first yeah, thing amen. I'd say. God bless. Hey, let, let me say something here, and uh, I'm only speaking for Alex, and so if I speak amiss, uh, Bert, you correct me. Um, I definitely believe in tithing and more, and a tithe means 10%, and uh, it's been said regarding tithes and offerings, God's tithes and our offerings— um, that a Christian under grace ought to do at least as much as a Jewish person under the law. So, and generally, generally, um, we have used the term storehouse tithing. That's from Malachi 3, bring all my tithes into the storehouse. And, and I believe in supporting your local church where you, you've been fed. 
I really do. Now, here's the part where um, you can decide between y- you and your your heart and the Lord. Um, I've had people ask me this question. They said, look, our church is, they've got several hundred thousand in the bank. They don't even need the money, and I'm not seeing a lot of fruit. Could I just send my tithe to a worthy missions ministry that is bearing fruit, uh, whether it be Billy Graham or AFA or, or you know, whatever? Um, because they said, look, if I if I tithe to my church, it's just going to sit in the bank gathering dust. And I've said to people, I said, well, look, you know your church. I don't know your church situation, so that's between you and God. Then other people have said, and I mean, this, Bert, this was Angie and me. When we moved to Colorado, it took us a while to find a church home, and so I was sending our tithe for a, f- a few weeks to places like AFA, you know? Right. And place I sent some money to David Jeremiah. I, you know, in a way, uh, you give where you've been fed. So um, I, I generally, my default answer is support the local church where you're going and where you're being fed. But I think under grace, um, there are seasons in a Christian's life where the tithe might go to some other worthy missions for a while. Brother, uh, Bert, what do you say? I agree fully. And, and Jerry, let me suggest, I know you're seasonal, but when you get an opportunity to find that local church, uh, Alex and I are glad to be here with you, 16 hours of AFR. But I, you need like the little boy that was afraid to be in his bedroom during the uh, thunderstorm, and he'd run to his mom and dad. And they told him, God's with you, God's with you. About the third big clouper of thunder, he came in and he said, I, we told you God's with you. And he said, yeah, but I need somebody with skin on. And and, <laughs> and Jerry, uh, let me just encourage you, find that local church, let that be a part. But I agree with Alex fully. Yes, there are some great ministers. Make sure it's missional. I don't know how. It's, in, it's grounded in the Word. It shares Jesus, and it's missional in purpose. Jerry, thank you, and praise God for the restoration in your life, man. Let's mm-hmm. go to Virginia and talk to Carrie. Carrie, welcome. Hi, how are you guys? Doing well today. Good. Good, thanks for your ministry. Hey, I just got a question. Um, I hear a lot of people saying that uh, Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. Doesn't that uh, negate the virgin birth and the... Uh, the humanity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the fact that he was born of a virgin and walked this earth as a man? Uh, well, there's one word that would qualify that. I would say Solomon was the wisest mortal man that ever lived. But you, we know Jesus was unique in that he was dual-natured, fully human but not fallen human, and fully divine, the Son of God. So I... Um, I, 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 I th- I read you. That's a good qualification to make. Obviously, Jesus surpasses everybody, but you know the Bible says that because uh, Solomon asked for wisdom, he didn't ask for wealth, he didn't ask for the life of his enemy, but he said, "God make me wise," and God honored him and gave him that wisdom plus wealth and and other things too. But you know, obviously, the virgin-born incarnate Son of God would be wiser. But um, so Solomon, I would say the wisest mortal. Yeah, I would say that. And I, I have said besides Jesus Christ, Solomon was the wisest man who's ever lived. I think it does deserve qualification, Carrie. 
Uh, I do. I believe you are exactly right. So thank you, brother, for calling. Let's go to Texas and talk to Essence. Essence, welcome. Hi, guys. Let me go outside here, Echoing. Okay, um, I think everybody and their cousin has asked about Melchizedek, and what I found out was the reason that it says what it says in the Bible, the way it's worded, is because Melchizedek, um, he had no... You know how you have passport and all these different things and whatnot to show who you were and who your parents were? But that's what it was in that culture. You had to prove who you were if you were high priest in that culture. So he didn't have it. So it was either uh, it was either by God, you know, uh, choosing him or the people chose him for his character or whatever. And he got that position of that high priest for who he was. Okay. Essence, thank you yeah. for your call. Alex, you know, having neither father nor mother, none of notoriety. Uh, Essence is right. When it came to the Levitical priesthood, they could run it back to Aaron and everything. But Melchizedek, yeah. uh, that he was there, wasn't that's that's not that's not yeah. a bad observation. Essence, I, I, I yeah. there's a lot of good stuff in that. Great call. Great call. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. We've probably got time to get a couple of more questions we in, do. maybe. We do. Let's go to Texas and talk to Jeff. Jeff, welcome. Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. Uh don't want to take up too much time. I just want to say I'm taking my son to a dinosaur exhibit this weekend and I'm really interested on your thoughts about how to kind of uh express biblical context for dinosaurs to uh someone who's eight years old. Okay. Uh, nothing's too scientific, you know. Okay. Alex has a book about questions children ask. And I want to tell you, I don't know if that question's in there, but that is one of the questions kids, children ask, Alex. And uh, I think there's answer. I, I believe they existed. They were there. We have evidence in the bones. Now, what they do with one bone and make a whole skeleton of one uh, using others, uh, you know, watch out that. But you do find the bones and and their complete structure, like mammoths, we find those, Alex. Uh, but I don't think uh, Noah would have taken a full-grown dinosaur on the ark to take up as much room and eat as much food. I, I believe uh, wisdom would have caused him to get one of smaller stature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad you guys are getting to do that. And you know, in explaining this to a child, you know, the it, it's interesting. Every ancient culture has depictions, sometimes called hieroglyphics, of dinosaurs, these great lizards, you know. And so clearly dinosaurs existed. Dinosaurs existed alongside human beings. The Bible in places like Job 40 seems to allude to dinosaurs. But what I would say is uh, they died off in the global flood um, while uh, Noah would have taken some reptiles on the ark, T-Rexes and, you know, the Velociraptors and the, uh, you know, all of the, the big the Megalosaurus, Stegosaurus, the, the things too big and maybe too unsafe to go on the ark. They died out in the flood. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Hope y'all have. I know you're going to a dinosaur. If you can get up to the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. Uh, that's a long way from Texas. It's still worth a worthy trip. Let's try to get another call in. Tamara from Oklahoma, welcome. Hi. I've always been told that after, during the thousand-year reign, 
a lot of the people from the tribulation uh, that were saved after the rapture and possibly even the children that died before they were able to reach the age of accountability would live a life during that thousand years and still have to make a choice. And at the end of that thousand years is when Satan would be loose and he would be loosed for a little while so that everyone could make a choice. Because from my understanding, the people that are saved during the tribulation will be the people that are still able to procreate. Okay, Mm -hmm. good. Alex hadn't got a lot of time. Go ahead. Well, you know what? What's really interesting is, and by the way, thank you for this great call. And hey, it's a lot to think about. I mean, the bottom line about future things, eschatology, Christ returns, Jesus wins, and all who have trusted in Jesus are, are victorious with Christ. But the minutia, the specifics are numerous. There are going to be two groups that go into the millennial kingdom. Um, the saints of all the ages with glorified bodies, and some with earthly bodies who lived through the millennial, I mean, through the tribulation and went into the millennial kingdom. Uh, now, I do believe there will be, you know, marriage and relationship, and there'll be kids born. And even though Jesus is physically present on earth, when Satan is loosed for a little season, that's Revelation 27 through 10. There are going to be some people that rebel, and I think, Bert, what that shows is the the fallen, depraved nature of man, that some people, the greatest level of revelation in history, the Bible history, we're in the millennium, Christ is on earth, and yet some will disbelieve. I I know that is true, and I I just want to tell you, you trust Jesus now, Uh, they need to trust Jesus then. You're saved by grace through faith. That was true in the book of Genesis. It's true in the book of Revelation. That never changes. The surroundings may change. Opportunities may change. But you're saved by grace through faith. Alex, praying for you tonight, brother. Well, thanks very much. Folks, thanks for listening to Exploring the Word in the American Family Radio Network. We appreciate it. We encourage you to go to church Sunday, study your Bible. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus.